You're listening to the Photo Up Podcast, where we're covering photography, marketing, and business from all sides of the industry. I'm your host, New York wedding photographer, marketer, and resident sleepy person, Megan Brookelman. Welcome back to the Photo Op Podcast. Today we're talking with Sean Charles, co-founder of Caviar, spelled K-A-V-Y-A-R, a platform for magazine submissions hosting titles like Lucy's Magazine, Vulcan, Boyfriend Magazine, and so much more. So welcome, Sean. Hey, Megan. It's really great to be here. It's really awesome to finally kind of get to chat with you, uh, somebody that's been in the industry for so long. So happy to be here. Yes, for sure. Thank you for being here. And tell us a little bit about you and kind of your background. Yeah, so I um, was uh, at an agency. Uh, I started uh, at a ad agency doing art direction and uh, kind of hiring people uh, and, and, you know, hiring creatives and stuff like that for advertising campaigns. And one of the things that I started to see early on, especially with that job, is how difficult it was, how, um, I guess, how separate and fragmented the industry is. Uh, I eventually then kind of dabbled a little in fashion. I won't say I was a fashion designer or really had like a legitimate fashion label, but I got into it a little there and it's same thing, you know, hiring photographers and putting teams together. I thought that that was really difficult there. And then um, I really started to focus on where my education was in, which uh, is in commercial design and user interface design and things like that. Um, and really got into building software um, and decided that I was going to build something to fix this. Uh, so and this is where I've arrived today. And can you tell us what Caviar is for those who don't know? Sure. Caviar is uh, essentially a creative network, a portfolio network for uh, prof- creative professionals like photographers, models, makeup artists, um, and so on. And uh, one of the unique things that we do is we're trying, we try to actually build features that help people's careers. One of the first things that we did and what we're most well known for is helping photographers and other creative professionals get their work published in uh, magazines and different media outlets. Um, and we're doing a lot of other cool things now too, which is uh, uh, like helping people collaborate better and also um, providing portfolio, like instant portfolio websites, personal ones. So um, that's about the gist of it. And let's address the elephant in the room really quickly. At the time of recording, we are in the midst of the coronavirus pandemic. So Sean, how are you? Yeah, it's, it's, it is um, certainly overshadowing everything. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I'm doing well. Uh, I'm on quarantine, like everybody else, you know, taking it extremely serious. Uh, my wife happens to be at the moment working at least six days a week. Uh, she's a microbiologist, a virologist specifically, uh, at a company that's working on a, a, a test. So um, her job is infinitely more important than mine. Uh, but <laughs> we are we are sheltered. Um, we are making really difficult decisions, like looking at pulling my son out of daycare and um, and stuff like that. So and you know forming our cluster. Um, as my wife puts it. So uh, yeah, it's it's definitely difficult. It's strange times. And for photographers who are kind of feeling the burn of what's going on right now, do you have any thoughts on, you know, should they be taking a break? Should they be marketing? Do you, do you have any ideas for them right now? Well, I think everything is an opportunity. I see everything as an opportunity myself. Um, this right now is an opportunity to do a lot of things. Maybe um, one of them is not to go outside 
as not to uh, connect in groups and collaborate. Like we're we're trying to, uh, like I just mentioned, we're trying to help people do. Um, it's really about staying um, with your cluster um, and staying safe. Um, and I think what that allows is uh, the ability to maybe reflect on what you've done. It allows you to do some of this marketing stuff. It allows you to get on social networks and maybe connect a little bit more and promote your work. I think one of uh, a really great opportunity that this allows is for you to uh, take some time to educate um, yourself on your work and focus on learning and development. Um, I think it's a great time to do that. So you, you don't have the opportunity to, to grab your camera and go out and do the thing that uh, you have fun with. Um, it's really difficult to, to kind of do some of these housekeeping things and some of these development things. So uh, that would be maybe my, my main suggestion to them. And at Caviar, are you seeing more submissions coming in? Yeah, we're seeing a lot. We're seeing a lot more activity, definitely indicative of people being a little bit bored <laughs> and at home and needing some more uh, activities. Uh, so uh, we are seeing a little bit more traffic there. Um, so, and we are also telling people not to, uh, not to just subscribe if they are hurting for, for money and, you know, spend money on the platform, like take care of food and other important things first. But like, if we can be an outlet for you to get through this, uh, that's awesome. So let's talk about fashion magazine submissions for the fashion photographers who haven't been doing this or they've been thinking about doing this. Can you explain what the submissions process is typically like? Yeah, so typically, um, let me see if I can get through this without uh, putting everybody to sleep. I'll put this in a nutshell. <laughs> because, and if you get, I'll just say this. Um, if you get like through, if you get like to maybe number two or three on the list of things I'm going to talk about and you're really sick of it, you can just fast forward through this and then just go on Caviar and submit because we fixed this. Um, so I'd, I'd say the submission process as it normally is off our platform or it was before our platform is um, essentially you have to first start by selecting a magazine, which could involve um, a number of different things like Googling. Um, looking at the magazine, doing your research, finding out uh, like if that magazine fits your work, your genre, um, what type of following that magazine has. Is this anybody else important? Recommend them. Um, and if if they take submissions or if they're a commission-based or submission-based magazine, um, and if they do take submissions, you identify that magazine, you take the email and you maybe put it into a list and, and kind of uh, keep compiling a larger list. You can take some shortcuts by uh, like finding some other typically photographers that put together lists themselves and distribute them. Uh, but at the same time, not all those magazines might fit your work. So you, you really have to do a lot of upfront work if you want some success. Uh, but then what you're going to be doing once you have those emails and you've identified those magazines um, is sending them an email with your work attached in like low resolution. Make sure you never send high resolution photos. So you send that work with low resolution photos, 72 DPI, um, to the magazine, um, sometimes with some sort of like artist statement um, that happens pretty often. Um, doubt that gets read a ton, but you send that to the magazine. Uh, you may hear back, you may not. Um, you may get a rejection. Usually rejections, you don't hear anything back. Uh, but if you do get accepted, you'll get something pasted in that says, hey, we accept your images. And then it's a whole nother process of like trying to send them through Dropbox or we transfer. Somehow you have to send high resolution photos. Um, and then uh, you sit back and wait, hopefully, for a response that you've, you're 
whatever you've sent your editorial has been sent and it's been published. So, um, yeah, it's, I'm falling asleep myself, just kind of going through <laughs> it's, it's a multi-step process. Um, it's a multi-tool process. Every magazine may have, um, different nuances in that process. Uh, they may ask for a PDF. Uh, they may ask for, um, you know, your credits to be in one format or another. Uh, so it is a really tough, um, fragmented process. You are giving me flashbacks of creating Atlas magazine. <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. such it was such a messy process on both ends, both for photographers and for us accepting submissions. And I knew that there was a way to fix it, but I was set in my ways. And I think that was honestly, you know, detrimental to us, but it was also detrimental to our photographers' experience because you know, there were some submissions that we just didn't accept because photographers weren't submitting them properly. Like they were sending us one high resolution file at a time through a series of like 25 emails or they were just sending, like you said, like an artist statement email that no one is reading. And it's it's like a whole mess. So tell us what Caviar does to fix that. So we take a multi tool, multi-step process, and essentially turn it into one step and one tool. So we're, we replace Dropbox. We're, you know, we do high resolution uh, file transfer and storage. So that is a, a non-factor. We replace email because um, you essentially, um, on Caviar, that whole process I just said, I can say in just maybe three steps, like you go to Caviar, find a magazine, uh, you can sort on Caviar, which is pretty cool. So we are the list, um, but you'd be able to sort by genre. You can sort by if an opportunity has a review fee or not. So you can just filter out any paid opportunities and just look at free. You can select if it's for web or if it's for like social media or if it's for print. Uh, so whatever medium it's going to be, you can, um, some of our uh, uh, subscription accounts, our paid premium accounts, um, you can get some really cool high-level features where we put together a social score so you can actually rank our magazines by uh, what type of social following they have. So there's all different kinds of ways of picking a magazine out and tools on Caviar, but you'd start by picking one out. You'd submit, you submit to me, actually click on the magazines and submit your photos through us. We do every possible validation we can to look at the format of the image um, and the structure of what you've submitted and just and tell you if there's an issue right there on the interface um, and one of the things you can be assured by is that once you've submitted that's this work or once you've uploaded the work and you've sent you've submitted everything that the magazine has asked for for the most part is solved and and to their their liking and their request so you basically look for a magazine you find one, you upload your images, you click submit, and then you sit back and wait. Uh, responses on Caviar are much faster than email. And one of the coolest things is that they're guaranteed. You are guaranteed a response from a magazine, either accepting your submission or rejecting your submission um, in about 14 days at the latest. So, um, so it's a much better process. And when people are receiving a rejection, for example, are they getting any feedback or how does that work? So it depends on the magazine. Uh, we don't uh, necessarily have any policies or requirements on that. So uh, typically I would say what you're going to be getting is a canned response. Maybe 80% of the times you'll get a canned response that may tell you 
you haven't been accepted for one of the following reasons. And they may give you like, I don't know, five reasons that they typically don't accept an editorial for. Uh, but usually uh, you don't. Uh, some magazines do go above and beyond and give you some personal feedback. Uh, some of the some of the magazines are, are, you know, larger and they get a ton of submissions and they don't. Uh, they're not able to really kind of respond at that level. Um, there are options if you are interested in getting critiques or feedback that are paid. Um, and the nice thing about those is that you do get you're guaranteed that feedback and they usually lay out what they're giving you before you do that submission before you do pay. Okay. And there are exclusive and non-exclusive publications. Can you explain the difference? Yeah. So we get this question a lot. Uh, so, so magazines that say they require your editorial to be exclusive, what they mean by that essentially is no one else besides maybe your team um, has seen it. So if you share it on social media or you put it on your website where it can be then indexed in Google and search for, cause these magazines do like search for your, your work there. Um, and they see it, your editorial, even if it has been accepted, is likely to be canceled. Um, the, uh, the nice thing with Caviar is that we do have an algorithm that does go through and, and detect images that are similar. So um, if you do submit to multiple magazines on Caviar, it will let you know, and it also let the, the magazine editor know that this is something that's not exclusive. Uh, so it's helpful on, on both sides. So, uh, but yeah, that's essentially what exclusivity means if they're asking for it. Um, some magazines don't require exclusivity, which means you could put it on your social media or anywhere out in the public. You could have had it published in, a, in another magazine previously. So, um, but that's pretty much the gist of it. And for photographers who are submitting for the first time or they're not super familiar with this process, what should they be considering when they're putting together their submissions? So I think one of the big things we see um, just in the structure or the, the conceptualization of an editorial is I th like people, these photographers want to just shoot like a pretty picture, right? Like let's just create something awesome and it'll be cool and we'll submit it. It looks great. But an editorial, in my opinion, and a successful editorial is one that has a story so I would absolutely suggest that you spend a lot of time, just as much time in the shooting of your editorial as in conceptualizing that editorial and producing a story. Every photo should be a story and the series should tell a story in a very coherent way. So my first suggestion would be uh, to, to make sure that you're, you're not just shooting a pretty picture. Uh, you put together something that's thoughtful and um, has a lot of artistic value and, and grips the uh, the editor um, and kind of draws them in, which stories do. Um, I think another mistake that, uh, that a really a regular mistake that's made, especially off our platform and even sometimes on, is um, crediting, screwing up the credits. Like uh, I definitely suggest that a, a photographer that is producing an editorial get all of the information from their uh, the collaborators, like making sure that their names are spelled correctly and getting all that information while everybody's together and get that approval, because um, that does happen relatively often. Um, I, I think that uh, the, um, I think maybe another big thing outside of like the art side of it and then some of the logistics sides uh, would be not reading the guidelines. Um, 
I can't tell you how often I see uh, somebody submit something like to a themed editor, uh, themed edition, essentially, for instance, like the edition might be red or, or nude or something like that, something interesting. Uh, and they'll just submit anything to it. And they might submit like a, a fashion editorial to like a nude or a boudoir or something. So um, like reading the guidelines, skimming, doing your best job to kind of see what uh, the magazine is asking um, is, is fundamentally a, a major mistake um, that you're just wasting your time with. The other thing I would say is doing your, doing your homework on the magazine, making sure that that magazine uh, publishes the type of work that you shoot and that's a fit as well. Otherwise you're just wasting your time there. Uh, so I'd say those are like some of the big top of mind common mistakes I see often. I think you've made a lot of great points there. And I think I want to go back to the point on telling stories because that is something that a lot of people don't really understand when they're first starting to submit to these magazines. And it's it's telling a story through clothes. It's telling a story through the setting and the concept of the shoot. And I know that team collaboration and preparation for the shoot plays a big role in that. Do you have any thoughts on how fashion photographers can elevate their work to try and get published? Yes. Uh, so some of the things that like are, uh, I, I think that I see often is like, there, and, and I, why I suggest that during this quarantine period, you do work on um, your development, uh, you know, your professional development is that people aren't doing enough to, um, to focus on uh, and enhancing and improving their work. I'd say outside of just your professional development, I think your team is really important. Um, I think that like, let's say for instance, you are uh, putting together like some sort of really great complicated editorial and you maybe are uh, requiring to do, you, you have a requirement to do a lot of like creative direction on it. Maybe if you feel that you can't do that well, bring on a creative director, um, somebody to focus on that. And it doesn't take away from your conceptualization. It's just about like executing on that concept. So adding to your team there is, is kind of an interesting place. Uh, I'd say even looking at retouching if you're a photographer and, um, you know, that's maybe not your specialty. Uh, have bringing on like a killer creative uh, or a killer retoucher is something to totally enhance in editorial, um, I would say that um, looking like I, th I think a common mistake that I see photographers make often is to uh, downgrade the talent and the skill of a model. Like that is your your actor or your actress. Um, you uh, shouldn't be pulling an amateur model out and then just kind of bringing them into a editorial. Uh, especially if you yourself don't have the ability to properly pose a model and provide the creative direction that uh, an amateur, maybe, you know, a, a natural, but an amateur model can do. So, um, and I, I would add that to um, a professional development thing that every photographer should have is how to pose uh, a model. Um, but, but respect that, um, respect a, the skill set of a model when you're bringing them in and make sure you're working with really great models because um, they'll make all the difference in the world. That's such a good point. And I think right now on the point of connecting with these other creatives and bringing them in as team members, you know, since we can't physically connect with people right now, and if you're listening to this in the future, 
hopefully that has changed very much. But um, in the meantime, I think during this, you know, period of isolation, there are a lot of people who are still looking to connect with other creatives. They're looking to have FaceTimes and Zooms for small get togethers and actually connecting with people who are in the same boat. So definitely keep on the lookout for others who are in a similar situation who are looking to collaborate as soon as we can safely leave our homes. And I want to ask you your personal opinion on why should fashion photographers even consider getting their work published right now? Like, why should they be spending their time in isolation or in the future getting their work published? You know, that's, I think, a great um, question. I think that uh, depending on your audience, it's a great resume item. It's something that you can leverage with clients, uh, with peers. And what I mean by that is um, if you're looking to, uh, for instance, let's say you're even a, a, you know, a wedding photographer, um, you can take a, uh, an editorial or, or a cover that you've been published on, or you take that, put that in your resume, or sorry, your portfolio, and that's something that you show, and you can charge more. You should be charging more for that, right? And that's something that um, on the business side that you can take and leverage into more money. Um, the other thing that uh, I think with peers, there's a dynamic between who is the um, providing the value within an editorial team? If a model is, for instance, a giant influencer on Instagram has like a million followers, um, and maybe then that model doesn't necessarily have to pay the photographer, right? Like I, there's there's that kind of dynamic where if there is money, uh, tra- if there's some sort of financial transaction between an editorial team, maybe the model is the one that's kind of providing all the value in that sense, or if it's a, uh, a photographer that's typically gotten published a bunch, there's models and there's other people on the team that's that want that opportunity to be published. Um, that's a great like kind of like uh, dynamic changer for uh, a team that's being put together. I think in general um, validation, uh, like let's just think about this: the, a even a relatively small independent magazine can receive tens of thousands of submissions over a year. And if you're like the 1% that's been published in that um, magazine, that's pretty cool, right? Like that's like, that is some sort of validation. Um, I think there's another thing that's really not mentioned um, often. And it's like this concept of creating art for art's sake. Um, Like, I feel like if you are producing this work, if you're going through this and you're producing this work for the uh for the sole reason of like kind of making it like becoming big and famous and this and that and rich and all this if that's why you're doing it um you probably should do something else like i don't think that that this is um you know uh, a place for you uh i think that like doing arts work for art's sake is great it's a creative outlet we all need it um and once you do that it's great to have a place for it to live. And these um, publications, uh, blogs and magazines and so on, these media outlets are a great place to put them. Uh, Then I think that in addition, there is these uh, like kind of this indirect benefit of like the educational benefits that go along with this process. It's a goal, you set it up. I wanna be published in this magazine. I'm gonna put this team together. I'm gonna come up with this budget. I'm gonna do this type of direction and execute this concept I've come up with. Um, And and also just 
little things like dealing with rejection and getting that rejection and understanding that like you have to raise your game. And uh, so next time I'm going to focus on my development, I'm going to focus on building a better team and so on. Um, so I think, I think those are kind of, uh, some, uh, you know, definitely like four really good benefits of, uh, you know, getting published. Those are really good benefits. And I would think for those who might argue exposure doesn't pay the bills or something like that, I do think it does help for things like SEO. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So, um, like, uh, I think it's just in general, just go back to this, uh, I feel like uh, I hear this a lot. Like, I think there's this really uh, nice sounding populist argument um, about exposure. Exposure is a bad word, and I understand why it is. And, it, and you know, in a way, maybe it should be because it's overused and, and it's been used to abuse artists in some ways. But why can't you just want to be published? <laughs> like, why is it such a bad thing for artists? Like, like it's something. I would want, like for instance, uh, Caviar, uh, when it comes to our PR, I am using a service now to help us get um, better PR. Like I want to get uh, the Forbes and Fast Company logos on our site. Um, I want it. Like does, does now when that happens, like let's say I get that type of publicity, it doesn't mean that my door is going to start, you know, going to get like knocked down by a million people wanting to hand me money. If you're bad at business, then you aren't going to be much better if you get published in Vogue, for instance, right? Like you get published in a top magazine. Um, it doesn't mean you can take advantage of the PR that you're getting. So I think that like that's kind of, um, you know, I like when we talk about exposure and stuff like that, I think that's what's getting lost. I've been published. Now what? It doesn't do anything for me. Of course, it doesn't necessarily do anything directly for you. You have to then now leverage that into tangible career goals. So I think that that's something that's really important to mention. Um, and I don't think I answered your question about SEO, but I just thought that was really important to add to that. No, that's super important to add to that. And I mean, yeah, I can I can see the SEO benefit as well of being published, you know, in web magazines and in blogs and things like that. Um, but on top of that, I think you're right. I think there is a lot that goes into, you know, an artist's credibility when they've got all these titles that they've been featured in, even if they're independent titles, because the fact that you've been chosen out of however many submissions they get every year, that shows that people care about your work they want to see your work and there's something that resonates with particular audiences and i think when it comes to paying clients if they see that on you know your cv or however you display it on your website that's that's a pretty big bonus that's a pretty big push for those clients when they're hiring you yeah absolutely it depends on the client uh too like there's going to be clients that aren't going to care then there's going to be clients that do but it's it's up to you to sell yourself whether you've been published or not it's up to you to provide some sort of supporting factors in your, you know, in your resume, in your portfolio to say that I can do this job that you are essentially going to be paying me for. And I can do it at X amount more than other people. But this is why you're paying me more. So, um, you know, I, I think that uh, we're, we're actually working on trying to provide tools and educational material now for people that need help after that to like, well, okay, what can I do with this? Um, so um, that's our goal. And I mean, SEO, yeah, absolutely. If you have, uh, depending on where you've been published and how and like what method, um, if there is 
some link back to your website, that's great, right? Like, because, uh, you know, that's what's uh, going to optimize your, uh, you and your search results is having tons of links to your site. That's a great thing. Um, I also think that if you can get, uh, like one of the most important things is building up a social following. If you have a giant social following, you can capitalize on that alone. You have now become an influencer. If the quality of those followers are good and you haven't paid for them and you've built it up through, um, you know, this kind of painstaking type of work, then you you actually can go to apps and check uh, what you can charge per post if you are going to start working with advertisers. Um, so, um, and we, we, we've just started working with those types of people now. So we, we will be paying people to, you know, essentially that have followings that have built it up through uh, doing great work and being smart at business. That is awesome. And I want to wrap this up with one last question. Do you have any advice for up and coming fashion photographers? Yeah. So I definitely think it's really important to network and collaborate. I I do feel that collaborate is going to become one of these interesting words because I've heard it a lot and I feel it has some similarities to exposure. But what I mean by collaborate is start working with a ton of really good people. Start working in larger teams. Learn from that. Um, I think networking is... uh, probably like the most important thing you can do. And unfortunately, it's maybe the most important thing you can do. Uh, We did a study a while ago um, where we talked to over a thousand creative professionals and we had them break down their day, their their typical workday. And uh, we had them kind of assign percentages to things. And one of the saddest things we learned is that out of everybody we talked to, 70% on average of their day, 70% of their day was spent on things outside of their creative core thing. And, and that 70% essentially was all about like business stuff, networking, any of the business stuff uh, to go along with uh, their their work. And I think the, the biggest issue and the saddest thing about it was that it seemed like, yes, you had to be really good at your your job, but it seemed like who played better, who did better in that 70% were the people that were more successful. Um, So yeah, maybe you're like the most awesome photographer ever, but maybe the fifth most awesome photographer ever is a little bit better at the business stuff. That photographer is going to win. That photographer is going to get more money than you. That photographer is going to be more successful than you. That photographer is going to have more uh, followers than you and so on. So I think that like if you right now, that is maybe the most important thing you can do is focus on networking, focus on the business stuff, focus on marketing yourself, learn how to do that, learn how to structure your Instagram account, um, you know, learn how you need to set up your website and so on. We can actually help with the website stuff. Uh, that would be maybe the one of the biggest things I would suggest is just network, network, network. And, and don't like learn to deal with rejection. Um, I think an important thing is don't handle it poorly and be okay with it. Everybody sucks in the beginning at whatever they're doing. <laughs> so, so like, be, be okay with that. I strongly believe that if you can be okay with hearing the word no in almost anything you do in life, if you can be okay with that, that is maybe one of the biggest, best superpowers you can ever have. Because think of the things you can do if you're okay with the rejection. Think of the things you might ask for. So just be good at, at handling rejection, be constructive with it. It's like, okay, well, this, this thing ended in rejection. What can I do to, to improve? Those are, you know, three important things I would focus on. Thank you. That was so good. Oh my gosh. And I think learning how to take a rejection is something, you know, 
most creatives are constantly battling. Um, but it's definitely important, especially when you're submitting to editors that you may want to submit again to in the future to at least be kind, be polite, accept the rejection and understand that it is part of your career's growth. It's not a personal vendetta against you. Um, well, and I think too, nine out of 10 times, it seems like the rejection when it comes to like you submitting to a magazine, for instance, you probably just missed something like it might not be quality. Quality uh, isn't always the reason for rejection. It could be just not reading the guidelines properly or so on. So it's a lot of reasons. All right. And where can our listeners find you? Yeah. So um, you can find uh, me at Caviar. It's uh, www.kavyar.com. You can get all the information about um, Caviar there uh, with uh, for publishers as well as for uh, creative professionals. And I also want to mention that um, this didn't really come up with one of the really awesome things that Caviar does. But we, unlike email, uh, support the submitters. So if something happens, if a magazine does something to you, abuses you in any way, if one of our magazines uh, accepts a payment for, let's say, a critique or a priority response and they don't deliver, um, you just message us and we open disputes and we solve them for you. So just come to Caviar and check it out. And you can also send me an email directly if you have any questions. My email is sean, S-E-A-N, at caviar, K-A-V-Y-A-R.com. Thank you so much, Sean. This was fantastic. No problem. Thank you, Megan. Thanks so much for tuning into the Photo Op Podcast. If you liked this episode, I'd love for you to leave a review and let me know what you liked and what you want to hear more of. Also head on over to the Facebook community and participate in some conversation with fellow photographers. If you want to reach me directly, feel free to DM me at Megan Brookelman, which is linked in the show notes as well. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you in a flash.